About to get started here, just remind everybody, keep your uh, cameras off, microphones muted, use the raise hand feature to indicate you'd like to ask a question. We'll try to get in as many as we can. And uh, with that, we'll, we'll begin with questions. Going to start with uh, Chris Camrani of The Athletic, followed by Dirk Facer of the Deseret News. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Mark, from an uh, administrative standpoint, speaking only on Utah's behalf, obviously, how much input did you have in the remaking of this schedule from Utah's standpoint? Thanks, Chris. Uh, good to hear from you. You know, it, it's really not um, about me or, or Utah. I think what the story here is the, the collaborative approach that uh, the league leadership, starting with Commissioner Scott, Woody Dixon, and our football coaches, we've really worked uh, for months uh, and certainly in the last few weeks since we got the July 10th edict from our president's CEOs to come out with the schedule today. Um, it's been very collaborative and um, I think uh, the success of that is, is shown in today's schedule. It will go with Dirk Facer, Desert News, and then Josh Newman of the Tribune. Let's go ahead with Josh. We'll come back to Dirk. Hey, Mark. Um, I guess that Larry said that, uh, you know, the training camp conference, why it can begin on August 17th. Um, not, not every school will, will potentially be in that position. Have, have you spoken with Kyle yet about a potential start date? At this point, Josh, uh, we're planning on, on starting as is the 20 hours, uh, which is the first big step on Monday. Um, as the commissioner mentioned earlier today, you know, that's, that's video work that's continued strength and conditioning work. And then of course, you know, getting on the field with, with walkthroughs, we'll do that for a few work weeks. And our plan as it says today is to be able to start contact practice on the dates that you mentioned. Um, you know, again, this is all going to be decided by where our county and, and university officials are at and our state officials, and we'll continue to follow their lead, but that's our plan as we sit here today. Okay, let's go with Dirk Facer, followed by Josh Furlong of KSL. Hey, Mark, I finally figured this thing out. Um, hey, I'm going to ask you, there's, how you doing? There's a lot of, uh, the schedule's kind of got a lot of games in November and December. Any concern if you do have fans that it's going to be a little cold that time of year? And was there, I noticed there were a lot of decisions like the Arizona, Arizona State game and the Los Angeles game being early in that. Is that, was that on purpose? Well, you might see me smiling because the fact that we're, we're talking about that shows that we, we might, might be making some progress because we're actually talking about games and, and where they land and if there will be snow and, uh, I'm sure the next question will be what time are these games are going to go. So it's just, it's fun to actually be talking about the typical uh, questions that you might get when a schedule comes out. But, you know, th this is a big geometry puzzle uh, that we put out today that had so many factors uh, going into it. Uh, we agreed as ADs early on and our football coaches agreed that things like robberies would be secondary to being as strategic as we could to, to lay out the schedule. Um, just again, so impressed. Uh, by the flexibility, the, the ability to move games back uh, to that open weekend in December, the fact that you'll see a lot of matching buys that will allow us to also use bye weeks. Those were the key factors uh, that went into to, to setting the schedule. And the others, although important to, to fan bases and important to student athletes and coaches, uh, rivalries, you know, those were just secondary as, as we put all this uh, together. You know, the SC-UCLA uh, 
in particular was was early on this because thinking that, that they might not be able to to go that one could very well go to the back end of the schedule and, and perhaps find its traditional space so that's one of the reasons why you might see some of those rivalries a little bit earlier next is josh furlong to be followed by john coon from the associated press mark a couple of weeks ago uh you talked to us about the student testing like the the uh, coronavirus testing that's gone on is there a reason that the university is not releasing positive results even if it's not specific athletes that had it but just overall numbers especially as as some of these games moving forward may obviously you're going to have to tell other teams if you can't play a week or something like that appreciate the question josh that that's me i'll own that decision uh what i feel that that is most important in this matter is that we that we follow all the university and county and state guidelines as it relates to to our testing and so any any results positive negative uh you know we send on to to the proper authorities um and I believe that's our obligation. I, I, I just don't believe our student athletes should be singled out in a population uh, for positives and negatives. And, and we've rolled in, in that direction. I believe in transparency. I think in this case, it's, it's also our obligation to protect the privacy of our student athletes. Um, to your question about uh, you know, working with institutions that as we play both in, in football or any other sport uh, that we play, we'll, we'll of course continue to fire, follow excuse me, all of the regulations and, and guidelines as expected by our conference. Next, John Kuhn, followed by Josh Newman. Mark, uh, just looking at kind of how the schedule came together, um, how much input did each conference member have in, in how the schedule was put together? And were there any specific considerations that that you looked for in terms of scheduling with Utah? Well, very collaborative. As I said in the beginning, everybody certainly had a voice. Uh, early on, we created the Pac-12 football working group that has you know, tackled so many challenges. Uh, and I was honored to be a part of that group. Very beginning, working on return to play, return to practice, all those kind of things, and then quickly got into you know, the schedule. Uh, certainly that the work of that group was then presented to our head football coaches and athletic directors on a regular basis. So everybody had a voice. Uh, we also expected where we could to keep with our standards. So as, as the earlier question about if you have a six day, uh, you know, you're on, you're at home before that, um, you know, trying to be thoughtful in regards to, to some of the, you know, steps we've made in, in our schedules, uh, you know, to make them just better for everybody. So Listen, like any schedule in any year, not everybody's happy. I mean, Utah opens up with two road games. That's not necessarily ideal for the University of Utah. Um, but on the backside, we'll have a bunch of home games. So, you know, at this point, I think everyone realized that in a year like this, uh, you know, everyone was going to have to give a little so that the conference could, could get everything that we needed for our 12 members. And uh, at the end of the day, we're just very pleased to, to be at this point. We'll go next to Josh Newman, followed by Chris Kimrani. Mark, in terms of keeping the players safe, uh, I'm curious, how do you feel about Utah playing uh, not only two Friday night games, but also two Friday night games coming on on short rest, which would eliminate one day of preparation and to make sure everything is in order in terms of safety uh, um, and medical protocols? I feel good about it. I don't think there's been any, any uh, medical advice that has suggested a six day versus seven day versus 14 day, et cetera, uh, related to COVID that really has much difference to it. 
Um, you could also say if you play on Friday night, then you have the additional day for your following game. So, you know, I think that that cuts both ways. Again, we'll come off home games uh, prior to that. So I'm, I'm not concerned about it. Um, and, uh, you know, as such, you can see that we kept Friday games and I think some Thursday games within our schedule. We'll go to Chris Kimrani, followed by Sam Farnsworth. Hey, Mark, what's the contract status with the guaranteed game with Montana State? And are there plans to reschedule the Wyoming game or work anything else out on that front as well? Yeah, our intention is to continue to to uh, work with those three institutions uh, that we're not able to play uh, this year. We're in ongoing conversations with all three of them to to work some type of arrangement out. But we we don't have definitive conclusions on, on, on any of those games, but it, there are ongoing conversations. We'll go to Sam Farnsworth from KSL TV, followed by Alex Markham. Hey, Mark. Sorry about that. A little slow on the unmute. <laughs> um, hey, I, we see what's happening with, with the NBA and their bubble situation, how well that's going. And then you see the Major League Baseball where teams are traveling and more and more teams are starting to get COVID and, and, and having to delay games or postpone them. Um, with college football and the Pac-12, how many positive tests would it take for a game to be canceled or postponed or delayed? Um, and is that something that you're concerned about potentially? Of course, I'm concerned. You know, I mean, we, we said all along that we, we were, we'd had the benefit in the college football space to watch some of the pro leagues uh, get started. And now with our schedule, the NFL will, will start, I think, just a little bit before us. But obviously concerned. Um, I like the word the commissioner used earlier today. You know, we go in with a lot of humility uh, into the season, uh, knowing that we don't have a bubble environment uh, for our fall student athletes as they begin their competition. We're asking, uh, you know, of them so much already, but we also know that they have to do whatever they can to keep themselves, um, you know, safe from this virus when they're away from us. And we're proud of the Utah kids and, and taking that seriously. But as we go into this adventure, you know, this is an aspirational schedule. We recognize that. Uh, we built it to be flexible. Uh, we, we know that in the course of this, this schedule, there's going to be moments where a team uh, can't play. I mean, I think it would be foolish to not think that it won't happen, specifically to what it will take uh, for a, a team to, to not travel. The league will continue to, to work on that. I think that's the next step in, in the ongoing collaborative process of working with our uh, medical team led, led by Dr. Ackerman. Uh, Oregon State is the chair. Um, we'll continue to work with them for what makes sense. I, I think that, you know, when you talk about how many on a football team it takes, I think you got to dig a little deeper. Um, do you have a position group uh, that, that can't go? And, you know, maybe that's six or seven young men, um, but then that, you know, you've kind of taken your football team uh, out, out of the mix if you lost a position. So it's hard to say a number. It's probably going to be more something about a position group. But again, I'm speculating. And until we all come back together and take a real good look at that, this gets back to us being a league only. We can be very collaborative. Uh, we can work together uh, to, to figure that piece out. And, and quite candidly, it's going to be a week by week uh, basis as we move forward. We'll go next to Alex Markham, followed by Dirk Facer. Hey, Mark. So Sam kind of took part of my question there. But um, just in your talks with the other athletic directors, um, I mean, how confident would you say that you and everybody are that you guys are either going to be able to actually start the season on time or even uh, be able to have a, a full season? 
I don't know the weather next week, right? I mean, I, and I think if you start predicting, um, you know, I, I just think you just put yourself in kind of a box. I'm confident in the work that we've done up until today to give ourselves the best possible chance. I'm confident in the incredible, uh, you know, training staff and medical staff we have here at the University of Utah. I'm confident in the student athletes who have taken this so seriously. And I'm not talking just about football, I'm talking about all our student athletes. We have nearly everybody back uh, in some type of volunteer workout. I'm confident in everything they've done is giving us the best chance. But what we've learned about this virus is it's evil and, and it's, it's, it's relentless. And you know we just have to manage what comes. But we have such great people here at the University of Utah. Um, I'm very confident that we're, we're approaching it in the best possible way. We'll go to Dirk Facer followed by Josh Furlong. Mark, do you see any, uh, or are you optimistic that you'll be able to have every fan that wants to come to the game come to home games, or do you anticipate empty stadiums? Or at this point, you just kind of alluded to the virus being unpredictable. Is that kind of, hey, I have to go into this right now, and not if someone says, hey, can, you can have crowds at the game, and you really can't answer it at this point? Yeah. I think it's fair to say that that we, we know we will have limited – um, and, and minimized fans uh, at Rice-Eccles Stadium this fall. It breaks my heart. Um, you know, we have an, an unbelievable fan base here at the University of Utah. Um, and for, for us to get to this point where we realize there's just real no path forward to, to have close to 50,000 people uh, in, the, in the stands as we sit. So on this matter, you know, we continue to model uh, a few different levels. Uh, I think it's uh, probably within one or two weeks that we'll be really rolling out uh, to our fan base how that will work and you know the kind of numbers that will start off. We obviously have a, a little bit later home game. Um, you know we have we'll have a few more weeks uh, to monitor, but we do plan in the next couple of weeks to send to our constituents um, the the kind of the quantity, uh, the how we're going to do it, and the who. Uh, which are questions I recognize are on a lot of people's minds in the community. Um, you know, I really give a lot of credit to our event management staff who has been working with uh, a lot of different folks, including our, you know, obviously our medical folks and our university leadership to really come up with a real safe plan to get our folks in. You know, the schedule's now out today. We can see these dates. And now we know the next phase of all of this is to get the word out to our fans. And, and we look forward to doing that as soon as possible. Next is Josh Furlong, followed by Josh Newman. Mark, how did, how did uh, Oregon get added to that? Like, how does that decision get made? And then um, in relation to Oregon, does that change any of the, the future scheduling with them and how the rotation falls, or is this just a one-time deal no matter what? Yeah, it was really no rhyme or reason why it was Oregon over Stanford, uh, over whomever else was, was to be a buy. I can't recall off the top of my head right now, which is kind of that's the way it fell. Um, for various different reasons, um, you know, we we really tried to make the 2020 schedule uh, have no impact on the 2021 schedule. So I don't believe there'll be any impact to, to you know to what that will be. Um, so really, there was there was no you know oh they played each other in the Pac-12 championship game. Let's make sure they play this this year. There wasn't any of that. It was just kind of the way that it worked out. We'll go next to Josh Newman, followed by Tom Hackett. Mark, are you able to share um, where, excuse me, where 
President Watkins kind of fell on this thing. There was, you know, there was some talk of September 19th for a start, then it turned it into September 26th. Are you able to share where she kind of fell on this whole thing? Well, you know, Ruth is an incredible uh, person, first of all, and, and also an incredible leader. And she and I have been in, in incredibly close communication. I gave her, uh, you know, my opinion on, on where things should, should fall. Um, I'm not going to, you know, comment on her particular vote on any of that. That's a private matter, but it's fair to say we were absolutely aligned and, and we're both uh, very pleased to, to, to get to the point where we were able to release the schedule today. We'll go next to Tom Hackett. Mark, in the, in the Pac-12 memo released earlier this afternoon, it stated that Pac-12 student-athletes that decide to opt out of the season will remain on scholarship as well as in good stead with the conference. Do you have an idea at the minute uh, as to whether or not Utah will have any players that will not participate? And if you don't, which is what I'm assuming you'll say, when do you expect to learn uh, of the players that decide to opt out? Good to hear from you, Tom, as always. Um, yeah, I appreciate the question because it's a very important point to, to, to point out. I think the conference was the first out of the gate uh, to make it real, uh, real clear across all our sports that if uh, you did not want to play due to this virus, um, for whatever reason, whether it was uh, because you're affected by it or because of you know, your mental state or whatever it might be that, that your scholarship is retained and we march forward with you as in good standing. And that will absolutely be the case. Our coaches understand that. And uh, we, we plan on doing that. It's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, as we sit here today, that has not come up, but I'm also not naive to think that it, that it won't. And when it does, uh, we'll welcome those, those young people and we'll work with them and, and uh, get them ready for, for next year. Uh, 